Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the How Simon Sees It series. I'm Simon Skidmore. In this episode, I want to think about what's going on in the world at the moment. I want to consider the concept of racism, how history and social identity play into this concept, and consider the recent death of George Floyd. Let me begin by expressing my horror at the way this event unfolded and the mimetic reaction that participated it. Our thoughts and prayers are with Mr. Floyd's family and friends at this time and the greater African-American community who feel they've also been affected by this incident. When I saw the horrific video of George Floyd's death, I saw a man in distress who died because of the brutality and negligence of a couple of police officers. Notice I didn't use any racial or color descriptors in that brief sentence. Because from my perspective, as a white male of considerable privilege living in Australia, the melatonin content of George Floyd's skin seems irrelevant. No one should have been treated the way he was treated. But as we've seen this week, many people in the world have told the story a little differently. The predominant narrative being shared is that of a black man who was brutally killed by white police officers. You see the difference here? By adding some colors in my retelling of the story, I've transformed a story about police brutality into a tale of racism and hate crime. Was that how these events unfolded? Probably not. As far as we know, the police officers involved in the incident were responding to a call, not looking for a black man to lynch. We just don't know if the police officers would have treated Floyd differently had his skin been paler in colour. However, many people in America have interpreted these events as an expression of racial hatred. Today, I want to consider why people might interpret Floyd's death differently to me, and how these insights might help us move towards a new world one day without racism. The USA has had a long and checkered history of oppressing African American people. The political and social structures which produce slavery and segregation have left a lasting impression on the American psyche. This impression becomes the lens through which many people view the world. People are viewed as either black or white, rich or poor, privileged or marginalized, powerful or oppressed. Viewing the world through these binary categories, many African Americans view themselves as poor, marginalized and oppressed by the rich, powerful people of lighter skin color who rig the system to keep them down. Slavery may have been abolished, but the economic and social divide between African Americans and Americans of lighter skin tone is still a real thing. When one views the world from the underside of this social divide, the death of George Floyd may become just another incident of white power inflicting excessive, unjustified violence upon another poor, oppressed black man. In response to this act of violence, Thousands took to the street, rioting and looting local shops and businesses. Do you see what's happened here? 
people who identify with George Floyd as poor, oppressed black people band together and respond with a reciprocal act of violence. As mimetic forces draw more and more of these people into the cycle of violence, the whole community becomes whipped into a violent frenzy. This frenzy prompts the community to band together to vent their collective anger upon a common scapegoat. Some attempt to vent their anger by directing hateful comments and insults towards the officers involved in social media and in the comments section of YouTube videos of the incident. Yet these actions only inflame public outrage all the more. As the rage escalates, the community turn their violence upon local shops and businesses. Why? To many, these acts seem like senseless violence. But if we can appreciate that in the minds of these people, their local shops and businesses perpetuate the social economic structures that continue to oppress them, then we begin to understand what they're doing. These businesses became the scapegoat upon which an angry community vent their outrage. Even though people like Anthony Joshua have condemned the riots, they've also encouraged African Americans to boycott businesses owned by people of paler skin color. You see, because this community cannot publicly lynch the police officers involved, they are attempting to direct their violence towards white business owners. In this way, the reaction of this community to George Floyd's death has encouraged more racist attitudes rather than curbing them. What about the American government and the police force's response to all these events? We've seen President Trump impose curfews and label those involved in rioting and looting as terrorists, which allows the government to propagate more violence towards them without justification. The violence is being volleyed back and forward between those who feel oppressed by their political overlords and the American government. Returning violence for violence only keeps the violence in circulation and causes it to escalate. As more rioting and looting take place, then the police force will show more and more violence, which will only perpetuate the whole problem. Others, however, have acted in a more positive way. For example, I've noticed YouTube channels, breweries, and home brew stores show their support for the African-American community by publishing and producing a beer called Black is Beautiful. In so doing, these entities are saying to the African-American community, you are not alone. We are also outraged at what happened and we want to create a new, better world together where one's social status is not determined by the melanin content of their skin. I think this is how we tear down the wall of separation, which divides white and black communities and move beyond these categories towards a society where we all work together, contributing our unique skills and perspectives. I actually hate this idea of referring to people as black or white as if it's some kind of binary category that allows me to judge someone and determine whether they are a friend or an enemy. That sort of thinking only perpetuates the violence. 
I understand that once upon a time, when we lived in a more tribal society, we sought safety with our own tribe who looked, talked, and acted like us. But those days are long gone. We now live in a global multicultural society, which means we need to fight racial stereotypes we have inherited. In terms of discovering a new liberated identity, the Bible may provide some guidance for the African American community. The chief storyline of the Bible is the Exodus, which describes Israel's liberation from Egypt who enslaved them. The Lord hears the cry of Israel and intervenes on their behalf, leading them away from Egypt into the wilderness. According to the story, Israel wanders in the wilderness, which becomes a time of reimagining their identity. Faced with this struggle, the people consider returning to their slavery in Egypt on numerous occasions. When the Israelites finally reach the boundary of the promised land, they don't cross the river, afraid of what they might find on the other side. As a result, they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until a new generation arises, which bravely crosses the river to embrace their new identity on the other side. The rest of the Bible looks back upon this emancipation to celebrate the new freedom the Israelites now enjoy. In some ways, I think the African-American community have been set free from their oppressors, but they are still wandering in the wilderness, seeking a new identity. Many still see themselves as victims of a system which is rigged against them. I hope that one day the African-American community will find a new identity on the other side of the river. As we begin to reimagine what a world without racism looks like, let me close with a few words from the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new world, for the first world had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of the sky from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with humanity. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making everything new. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its light is the Lamb. And by its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and the gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of all the nations. Thanks again for joining me on the Mimetic Exegete podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you may do so on the Mimetic Exegete Facebook group. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.